because I really believe that these plants are here to help us save ourselves and save the planet and live in a better way that's like more beneficial and more symbiotic with the earth. This is Before It's Too Late. I'm your host, Christian Suzanne. Let's learn together what matters most in life. We are grateful to speak with psychedelic life coach Sinclair Fleetwood in today's episode. She's also the host of the Psychedelic Integration Podcast and an expert for helping people with the integration of plant medicine into their everyday lives. Sinclair is sharing with us her heart-wrenching wild journey from having been an addict to alcohol, sex, drugs and food in her early 20s towards her transformation into a conscious life, being in service of others and hence of the greater good. Daddy issues were her big theme. Over 10 years ago, her father got arrested, ended up in prison and received two life sentences. Tragically, he died in prison and Sinclair recounts how she afterwards burned his ashes at the Temple of Burning Man in Nevada. This is when her path towards plant medicine began. After taking ayahuasca, I was able to process my anger towards my dad, really connect to it, feel it, release that space and fill it with compassion and understanding, she states. We are learning from Sinclair how plant medicine like mushrooms, ayahuasca and San Pedro provide a path to wholeness and freedom. We are holistic beings, but most of us go through life compartmentalized, she says, explaining to us how we best integrate plant medicine after taking them. On our way to wholeness, it is important to start at our bodies, as they give us constant feedback about our state of mind, and only then work towards our thoughts. I loved Sinclair's intriguing insights and wisdoms she shared in this wonderful conversation. We are excited to have you as our guest today on Before It's Too Late, Sinclair Fleetwood. Hello, Sinclair. Welcome to Before It's Too Late. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Oh my God, I'm so excited to have you as my guest on my podcast today. Sinclair, you and I have met recently in mm -hmm. the Mexican jungle <laughs> at a soul medicine retreat. And whilst for you, this kind of community and environment is quite familiar. For me, it was the very first time I ever dared to immerse myself in such a retreat. We were taking, amongst other medicines, psychedelic drugs. <laughs> And I found out relatively quickly throughout this week that once you have taken these wonderful medicines and the mushroom within a wonderful ceremony, It is at least as important to integrate your experience afterwards. Mm -hmm. And this is how you came in as our wonderful integration coach. And it would make me very happy if in today's episode you would share with us not only what it really means to integrate a medicine like that, 
and what it takes and its importance also, but also share with us your amazing journey. Well, I started my spiritual journey, I would say. I mean, I think we all started our spiritual journey when we incarnated into this <laughs> lifetime, but I became aware of my spiritual journey around 2016. My father and I had a pretty contentious relationship. I like to say I like I had daddy issues. <laughs> but he was a he was a beautiful man. He was a healer. He was a chiropractor. And he was also addicted to alcohol and, you know, didn't have a great father role model and had a lot of problems in his life. And in 2009, there was an incident where he got into an argument with his girlfriend and assaulted her and ended up getting arrested and going to prison and where he received like two life sentences for this assault, which was like completely unjust. And it was really terrible. You know, the trial mm. lasted for the trial wasn't that long, but the period between like when it happened in the trial was 2009 to 2011. And then he went to prison in Texas in like the worst, like the prison where they send the death row inmates. It's called I can't remember the name of it now. <laughs> but he was there for about six months and he died there. And the last oh time I saw him, he was in a hospital on a ventilator, chained to the bed, surrounded by police guards. And, you know, we had some eye contact and I could tell that he recognized that I was there. And it was very, it was horrible. It was inhumane. And <laughs> I always told my family, like, if I had been in my 20s when this had happened, I might have gone to law school because the way that the families are treated and just the whole prison system in itself is horribly cruel. And mm. I had never seen inside of it before. You know, I was like, I didn't know anyone who had gone to prison. So my dad, my dad like had this tragic thing happen. And, and in 2012, he died. And I was on a, I was also in a bad relationship with alcohol in my life, like from my early twenties, when I was young, I realized alcohol could kill feelings if I drank enough of it. And that's what I used to numb myself and not feel my feelings, not be present. And that went on for a really long time. And so actually when my dad went to prison, I was in a period of sobriety and I started working at a substance abuse treatment center and I was helping, you know, other people. I had worked in nonprofit most of my career I worked for the Red Cross for like eight years and doing disaster relief. And so I always wanted to help people, even though I was a mess. <laughs> I was in this journey of sobriety, but I wasn't really, I was sort of dry. They call it like being a dry drunk where you're just sort of like ugh, white knuckling it. And you're not like, you still want to drink or you still feel like you're not feeling like the issue that's caused you to drink in the first place was resolved. And so in 2016, I was in a relapse. I had been sober for three years and then I had this like heroic relapse. Uh, I got in a bad relationship and it drove me into a, a mess. And a friend of mine invited me to go to Burning Man with, with her, which Burning Man is a big transformational festival that is in the desert in Nevada every summer. And I was like, this is a crazy thing. It's a really big deal to get out there and like get tickets. It's a, it's a whole thing. And mm. I thought the people that do this are crazy. 
but I got a ticket somehow. And then everything just sort of like kept happening in my favor. And so I went and I was, you know, I took some mushrooms out there. I think I had some MDMA and I was feeling, I took my dad's ashes to Burning Man to put them in the temple there. They have this beautiful temple where people can bring, you know, anything really. And then they, they burn it at the end of the, of the gathering in silence. And so, yeah, it's, it's like, for me, the temple is the heart of Burning Man. It's like this, that was the whole reason to go. And so I put my, my dad's ashes there and I had this really powerful experience around seeing a version of myself that I had not seen for a really long time. Like some kind of, I kind of felt like this fire in myself of like, feeling confident, feeling good about myself. And I was still in a haze of, you know, substance abuse and not really, I wasn't really home in myself, but I, that was really what started me on the path was I saw this more true version of myself there at Burning Man. And I, when I came home, I like set my life on fire. I quit my job. I did not have a plan. I was just like, not this, not this. I don't want this. I don't want this. Get out. And I was doing it in a really reckless and wild way. Wow. <laughs> and I like ended up getting in this car accident a few months later, which I call a cosmic bitch slap where I just literally like got punched in the face by my airbag and it broke my nose. And it ended up sending me back to live with my mom in my hometown in a small town in Texas. And, you know, I was 39. I was just like a mess. Mm. I didn't have a job. I was like totally lost, Yeah. but I knew I didn't want to be part of that way I was living anymore. So I went back to Burning Man a second year in a row. And the second year I got sober there, I like had this epiphany and the theme of the event that year was called radical ritual. And I went into the temple and I just had a ceremony with myself and spirit. And I just, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I need something to change. And I prayed for help and I gave it over to spirit. And that was like five and a half years ago. I haven't had a drink since. And from there I started recognizing like, okay, what do I want to do instead? Because I want to really make sure that I don't go back to living that way. But I know that the reason that I'm living that way is because there's something underneath it that needs to be healed. And I ended up chasing this boy down to South America. And when I got down there, the thing with the boy didn't work out. But ayahuasca started calling me. And I recognized like that it was time for me to go and sit with these medicines. And um, so I did that in Ecuador in 2018. It was my first retreat and it radically changed my life. It just, it was like all the answers I had been looking for about myself were, were made clear. I found a connection to myself. I found love. I found forgiveness and compassion for my dad. Like it was the beginning of a long a long healing journey with, you know, lots of layers, but that first retreat I did. And then, and then they asked me to stay on as a volunteer. So I stayed for another retreat. And then I had all this experience in 
nonprofit and social service. And I had a really good skill set for taking care of people inside of this like container. And then they offered me a job and I was like, why not? I'll just move to Ecuador (laughs) and work at this ayahuasca center. Yeah. And so that's what I did. I like traveled somewhere. I got a yoga teacher certification and I went back to Burning Man one more time. And then I came to Ecuador and and I managed an ayahuasca and San Pedro retreat center for about a year and a half. And that's wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sinclair, that is just fascinating. Thank you so <laughs> much for, for sharing this wild healing and consciousness <laughs> journey of yours. Mm-hmm. So I would be really curious to dig a little bit deeper into what ayahuasca exactly did then for you. Mm-hmm. Did it like uncover all the deep layers of, I don't know, trauma or pain? Or could you describe a little bit more about mm-hmm. how ayahuasca really then changed the, the game for you? I would say that, so ayahuasca grows in the Amazon and it's a vine and that's in the brew that they give you. It's the vine is the ayahuasca vine. And then there's chacruna. The chacruna plant is a leaf that has DMT in it. And so it's this MAOI in the uh, vine and the DMT. So it allows it to be like really long acting. And they say that the ayahuasca is the grandmother. It's like a very feminine, mysterious spirit, um, in this plant. And for me, my relationship with ayahuasca has been one of discovery, like discovering hidden truths about myself. So in my very first journey, I saw very clearly that this was not my first rodeo, as we say in Texas, (laughs) Um, but like that I had had many lifetimes and I could see like the number of lifetimes that I had had was infinite. Like I couldn't even see how many it was. So she was sort of showing me like, you've been working on this for a long time and this is what Mm -hmm. we do. You know, this is how it is. It's like, you come in, you set yourself up and you experience all these things. And I had a, a vision of going into the prison cell with my dad. Like when he, so what happened to him was he became Unrespons- they told us that he was found unresponsive. So we don't really even know what happened to him, but I was able to go into his body and feel what it was like to be in the prison and feel what it was like to feel, you know, how he felt. And I had been very angry at him for a really long time. And that experience completely dissolved all the anger and turned everything into just compassion and love. You know, like when I was able to feel what it felt like to be him, I could no longer blame him for hurting me or anything. Like he did the best that he could. And so I think that that that's sort of what plant medicine can do is give you this perspective that you're not able to have in a different, you know, in just your regular life. And so ayahuasca has always kind of, I like to describe it like, somebody comes into you and turns all the lights on and you can just like see everything that's there. And 
I also worked with a medicine there called San Pedro. That's a cactus. It's a, it has a mescaline in it is the sort of active ingredient, but it has like all these alkaloids and it is, they call the grandfather. It grows in the Andes mountains and it's like a columnar cactus. So it grows like straight up, grows pretty fast into the light and it's the medicine of the heart. So with these two together in a retreat setting, it's really amazing what you can do because ayahuasca kind of shows you, she gives you the information. She shows you what's in on your heart, what, like what you need to look at, what you need to understand. And then San Pedro helps you love yourself <laughs> and love, you know, like love, love whatever is going on and, and help you, helps you figure out what to do about it. So the two of them together are a pretty magical team. And with my San Pedro experience in my first retreat, I was able to really process my anger with my dad, like to connect with it, to feel it. I had no idea that I was so enraged at him. And I was just able to experience that and to release it and then, you know, fill that space with compassion and understanding. You are creating so many beautiful images um, around these medicines, especially for the listeners of my podcast, you know, who are not uh, familiar with all sorts of so uh, soul medicine. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much. Sinclair, you are a very courageous person because <laughs> it takes a lot of courage indeed to be ready to have your inner light switched on, right? Oh, that's um, a good way to put it. <laughs> have your inner yeah. light switched on. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, well, as at least I can only speak for myself. It took me really years until, until I found the courage to go and take um, some mushrooms. Mm -hmm. But listening to you, I really want to go to that retreat center in Ecuador, <laughs> too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... Now, Sinclair, I would love to learn from you how then afterwards you developed into an or you decided to become an integration coach and mm -hmm. started this work, which I can tell because I've been there, <laughs> is just very, very wonderful, amazing, powerful and important. Mm -hmm. So... Tell us more about your work as an integration coach. So when I was working at this retreat center in Ecuador, I was like the manager there and I did a lot of, you know, we had like 30 or 35 people come every month the whole year. So it was like pretty high volume. So I got to connect with a lot of people who are going through this process, who are coming to medicine generally to heal something, you know, a trauma, heal some kind of like depression, anxiety, like something in their life was not feeling good. And mm -hmm. that's kind of how a lot of people end up at a medicine retreat is that they want something to change. They want something big to change. And what I was seeing over this time of working there was this particular place where I worked was like not preparing people. You know, it was just sort of like pay the money, fill out the form, see you there. And it's a very big life-changing process. Like not for everyone. Some people go, they experience it. They're like, that was great. Cool. Got my, you know, I had my experience and then they just continue on in life. But for some people like me, it is a huge shift in your consciousness, your belief system, your like, it will 
change your whole life. And a lot of people were not prepared for that kind of process to open. They kind of, you know, they came to the retreat thinking, I'm going to be in this retreat for this 12 days and then that's going to be it. And it's like, I mean, one of my teachers says, how long does this medicine last for the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. Because it really, it really does. It's like, what, okay, you went, you did all of this work. Now what? Like, what are you going to do at home? Are you going back into the same environment that made you feel sick and, you know, not okay in the first place? Are you in a job or a relationship that isn't serving you? Like, what kind of habits do you have in your life? And I started connecting with people after they had been there and they would have these huge breakthroughs, you know, transformational experiences. They would quit drinking or doing drugs or whatever. And they're like, they come in all hunched over. And when they leave, they're like standing up in their confidence and their power. And then they would go home and a few weeks or a month would pass or something. And they would just not be able to handle it. And they didn't have any support And I saw this over and over and I thought, this is, we're not doing, like, we're not closing the circle with this Mm -hmm. experience. And it's like, what is the point of doing it if it's just a peak experience that doesn't change anything? I really don't believe in that. Like, I think if you're going to sit, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to take these medicines, because ayahuasca in particular is not super plentiful. It's, you know, it's a, it's a finite resource. So if we're going to take the life of this plant and we're going to ask this plant to help us, we need to have all of the resources and support and guidance and structure to actually do something different. Cause I really believe that these plants are here to help us save ourselves and save the planet and live in a better way. That's like more beneficial and more symbiotic with the earth and So when I left the retreat center, it became very clear to me like that I wanted to continue working in this field, but I wanted to do it in a different way. And I wanted to help people really understand how to prepare for their experience, whether, you know, you're going to a retreat, whether you're working with medicine at home, you know, you're, you have a therapist, like there's lots of different ways that people experience psychedelic medicines, but I wanted to get them ready and, help them have tools to navigate the experience itself because it can be really overwhelming and scary. Sometimes, sometimes it's overwhelming because it feels so joyous and euphoric. um, But also Uh that's like a lot to hold if you're not ready for it. So, and then the integration piece is integration is kind of the industry term in psychedelics about taking the experience that you had and integrating it into your life. So the way that I like to think about integration is we are holistic beings, right? Mm -hmm. But we are constantly compartmentalized in our lives. Like we think of our mind as separate. We think of our heart as separate. We think of our body as separate. We think of our spirit as separate. So there's sort of those components. And the integration for me is using these plants, these plant teachers, building a conscious relationship with them. And taking all of this wisdom and knowledge that they are giving you and coming home to yourself in unity. So you're unifying all of your parts. You're, you're raising your consciousness and living in your raised consciousness. And, and it's like just a a path to wholeness and a path to freedom, really. Yeah, that's so interesting, uh, because when I came there, 
being totally unexperienced, I thought I would be taking a magic pill Mm -hmm. and then that's it. I mm-hmm. would all of a sudden have like, you know, oh, the skies reveal themselves to me and um, go home completely enlightened. But this did not happen. And this is how I really learned from you then in our integration circles we've done after the ceremonies that the work starts only afterwards. Mm. So tell us, how can we keep up with this path of consciousness and what you just said, this path towards wholeness. Um, Is there like a, are there tools? Is this rather a work of your mind or is the body also involved? Yes. (laughs) So I actually really believe strongly that you have to start with the body. Because a lot of us have very dysregulated nervous systems, you know, we have anxiety, depression, like the body is really always trying to keep itself in balance. And if you have, in our society, we're told that we need to go all the time, we need to be in output mode, we need to like, you know, it's kind of you kind of get honor if you like skip your sleep and, and, you know, overachieve and, and, you know, we value like this very masculine kind of a toxic masculine expression of production and like overworking yourself and not resting. So the work that I do with my clients in the integration space always starts with the body and we look at things like, okay, what's your diet? Like, what's your sleep? Like, what is your ratio of work to play? You know, what does your environment look like? Like your house, what, what is the, what is your bedroom like? Like, is it conducive for you to get a good night's sleep? And how are you moving your body? You know, are you doing, are you doing movement that you enjoy? Are you spending a lot of time on screens? Are you sitting all day? Like there are so many areas you can look at to just start to soften and make it more enjoyable and safe for your body. Because if you don't have safety, it's really difficult to integrate a psychedelic experience. And I would even argue that if if you don't have a way to create safety in your body, it's difficult to have a psychedelic experience that's not really scary because the body it's very overwhelming. And like, that's why people recommend that, you know, you do breath work or you do ice baths or some of these like physical stressors that stimulate the vagus nerve and like help your body get used to stress so that it doesn't freak out when something happens. Mm -hmm. Like the point of all of that is to help you regulate yourself. I feel like men are more into like the ice bathing and stuff. Yeah, um, because but, as women, for isn't it just for us the opposite path that we do not try to train ourselves up towards these traumatic uh, or these challenges, and rather the opposite, like leaning in to our femininity? Mm-hmm. That's how it's been for me. Like, I don't feel really attracted to those kinds of, like, I like breath work, but, but I don't do it super often. Um, I prefer rest (laughs) like yoga nidra is one of my favorite activities for calming the nervous system and just resting i really like to dance and i like to go to women's circles and you know connect with other women and 
I think like self-massage is really powerful. Like, you know, working with your belly, working with your, all your tissues to kind of like get to know your body. The body is this beautiful temple that we've been given. And a lot of us spend a lot of our lives kind of fighting with it. Like it's not small enough. It's not enough of whatever thing that we want it to be. And so, you know, we stop listening to the body we forget that we have this intuition. We have this constant feedback from the body telling you, okay, this, like something is not okay. Some, you know, like our body's always telling you, even little things like I'm hungry. I need to go to the bathroom. I'm sleepy. We even ignore those signals. And so trying to get back to listening, really listening to all of that, and just giving your body what it needs. Like that can make such a huge difference, even if you don't do anything else. Drinking water. <laughs> this seems yeah. like such a simple thing. <laughs> and I always yeah. tell my clients when they sign up with me, I'm like, this is not some complicated like rocket science that you need to do. It's just really putting attention to, okay, what does my body need? How can I feel stable and safe in my physical vessel? And from there, when you feel safe, then you can start to f- ha- like give yourself permission to feel difficult emotions. And the psychedelic experience may put you in touch with something painful from the past or something that you need to understand or feel. And it can be a long process to really unearth those feelings and you know, constantly creating safety in the body so that you can have the safe place to feel your feelings. And I have one client that has been, she left a religion like a, in the U S and went and, you know, had her ayahuasca retreat and everything and had this beautiful experience and is, you know, four months later now, and she's still in the process of like feeling all of these big feelings that she was repressing during her time in the religion. And so it can take, you know, months, it can take a long time to let the expression of the emotions happen. And then Hmm. from there, you have to start looking at the mind and the thought patterns and the behaviors and like limiting, you know, you, when you are safe in your body and then you are connected with your emotions, then you can be like, okay, how am I holding myself back? What limiting beliefs do I have? What belief system do I want to have? You know, what are my values? What do, what kind of thought patterns do I want to be creating? How do I talk to myself? You know, a lot of us have an inner critic that's really pretty harsh. And so I do some inner critic work with people. And I would say the mind area is kind of the shadow work of, you know, going in and and maybe looking at ways that you that you behaved in the past that you don't like and and being okay with it. Like we don't have to be, you know, we didn't know. Like there's no reason to be angry or feel shame at yourself around yourself because of something that was the best that you could do at the time. Yeah. And so the mind and like, you know, a lot of what I teach is like building strong practices around taking care of all of the parts of yourself. And the last thing is the spirit, you know, what is your relationship to spirit? What is your relationship to the highest incarnation of yourself you know, do you pray? Do you meditate? Do you, what is this exciting? Cause spirit is like where everything comes from. 
it's where all the healing happens. But after, you know, the healing isn't just let's go heal ourselves and then that's it. The point of all of this is like taking this healing that you're getting and transforming it into something that's beneficial for everyone. That's how I think of it at least. And for a lot of people that becomes service, like being in service in some way. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you get some spiritual job or something, but you can be in service in any job in any way that, you know, you show up in your life, you're in service to your family, you're in service to humanity, your friends, your community. And being in service is just doing what's beneficial for the whole, not just what's good for you. That is so wonderful. Thank you so much uh, for sharing all these many truly helpful things, tools, passes one can follow towards becoming whole. And last but not least, Sinclair, in two or three sentences, that's a question I'm asking each of my guests in the end. What's the legacy you want to leave behind? Hmm. I think I would like to create a a place like a physical place where people can can transition out of this way of modern living and into a more natural connected integrated way of life. And that's that's what I do one-on-one -on -one with people and mainly just like reminding people that they are empowered. Like I'm not really doing anything. I'm just the mirror saying, maybe think about it in this other way. Here is, here is me reflecting you back to you and helping people find their power. Because if everyone finds their power, we can actually change the world. Ah, oh, that is so powerful. I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, you are one of the most magic mirrors I have ever come across. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> That's very sweet. Uh, and thank you so much for having been my guest on Before It's Too Late today. Mm -hmm. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this profound conversation. And I hope you did too. For more episodes of Before It's Too Late make sure to subscribe. If this episode spoke to you, consider sharing it with a friend or loved one you think might benefit from it. Thank you for listening.